The following talk was given by Bear Gokon Bonabakar at Zen Mountain Monastery. Gokon is a senior monastic and dharma holder in the Mountains and Rivers Order. He serves as director of operations at Zen Mountain Monastery and also helps run the National Buddhist Prison Sangha. This talk, like all of our talks, is given free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at zmm.org. Thanks for listening. It's from the beginning of Master Dogen's fascicle, Inmo. You are trying to attain thusness, yet you are already a person of thusness. As you are already a person of thusness, why be worried about thusness? It means that one who aspires to experience thusness is immediately a person of thusness. If so, why be worried about thusness? You are a person of thusness, sitting right here now. Your nature is peace. This is not created, cannot be taken away. Something I was reading by Throngu Rinpoche, a Tibetan teacher recently, just this line, he said, the purpose of realization is to eliminate the kleshas. Careful with words like eliminate, but to liberate them, to see through them, to not be controlled by them. The kleshas are greed, anger, confusion, jealousy, pride, and all of their cousins and relatives and the whole extended family. All of these difficult emotions, subtle and not so subtle. Practices making peace where there is not peace, with whatever is disturbing the peace. Knowing that there, when there is not peace, we can know when there is struggle, confusion, to look there, to look there, what's happening, what is it, to trust that's the place of practice, place of potential. Just thinking the kleshas are confusion, the manifestation of our confusion, of our wanting to be at peace and not quite knowing how to be at peace. Places are manifestation of samsara, the confusion that I'm not at peace and I know that I could be at peace. It must exist, it exists. It's hard to see out of confusion, it's hard to see another way. And so there's disappointment. Disappointment, maybe anger with ourselves, with the world, that we can't make it work when it seems like it should work. During the Ango intensive, during this past Ango, Shugen Roshi said something about befriending emotions. And just the way that he put it, it raised a question for me, and I asked, I asked him a question about it. And later, Shawan kind of gave me a hard time about that. And she was like, you know, you're, you're always talking about that. What were you, what don't you see? What don't you understand? 
How do we befriend shame, self-criticism, self-doubt? How do you befriend the voice that says, I'm not good enough? The belief that I can't do this, I'm inadequate. How do we befriend anger? Laziness, desire. What does it mean to befriend? Some of the readings during the, this past Anga were a series of discourses of, of, um, of sutras, some connected sutras with nuns, bhikshunis, disciples of the Buddha. In each of these sutras, the nun in each sutra is going to the forest, going to the woods for the day's abiding, the day's practice, going alone. And Mara comes to each one of them, whispering the things that he knows will get under their skin. He knows that particular will get under the skin of that particular nun, that particular practitioner. Because Mara's job is to turn us away from our practice. Mara, if you are not familiar with their sort of depiction in the sutras, is kind of a trickster, kind of the devil, the one who tries to knock us off of our seat, to turn us away from our practice, to turn us back to confusion, keep us confused. In each of these sutras, the question I hear is, who is this Mara? What's happening? Mara is usually depicted, identified as he, sometimes as she, but really Mara runs the whole spectrum of gender the way we humans do. Mara's voice is your voice. Mara is you, but not you. There's a question there. Mara is a habit you have. Mara is a tendency, a form of distraction. I learned this week that sometimes it is, there's actually a term, klesha maras, Klesha Maras. They are the same, like Mara is the Kleshas, the Kleshas are Mara. So in these sutras, Mara comes to the nuns to turn them away from practice, to separate them, confuse them. One of them, he says, come play with me. Come play with me, we'll have fun. One of them, he says, aren't you afraid? Alone here in the woods, alone with your mind, no protection, no distraction. Another, he asks, who are you to practice? You with little wisdom, with no education. Mara knows how to sneak up on each one of them. How does Mara know that so well? How does Mara know us so well? 
What does Mara say to you? These nuns know themselves. They know themselves. They recognize these parts of themselves that Mara is visiting, that Mara is embodying. They know these habits that they have. And so in each of the sutras, the nun says, oh, it's you. I know you. And they call him Mara in the sutra. But really they say, oh, I know you, fear. I know you, insecurity. I know you, doubt. They don't call him friend quite. Could they call him friend? When Mara comes to you, can you call him friend? I've always liked these sutras and I've given other talks on these sutras. I was remembering a time at the temple when I gave a talk about Mara. And afterwards, there was this guy who always had a question. He had a, always had something to say after the talk. And he came up to me and he was like, so the point of that talk was don't mess with Mara, right? And I was like, I didn't know what to say in the moment. And so I just kind of nodded. And I was like, no. <laughs> mess with Mara. Make friends with Mara. Because Mara is not outside of us. We don't need to fight with ourselves. You can be gentle with yourself. Be gentle. You are a person of thusness. Your nature is peace. What if they said, I recognize you, I know you, hello familiar. Hello, familiar. Hello, habit. Hello, tendency. I have met you many times before. I've studied you and I've seen into your nature. I still get confused when you arise. Sometimes. I don't recognize you immediately. But when I do, I know you. I know you're just a habit. I know that is not who I am. These nuns know themselves. They are mature. They have studied themselves and over and over been fooled by Mara and then seen, recognized, come back. understood this confusion, seen through their confusion, learning there is no need for conflict with this Mara, with this tendency, no need for fear of this Mara, of this tendency, of this habit. It's a familiarity that comes over time comes with study, learning that we don't need to fight. We don't need to fight. Don't need to be angry with ourselves for having the feelings that we have. 
the habits that we have. The fighting just adds another layer of suffering. It's like they're saying, I know I have fear. I know I have doubt. I know I have vanity. And it is not such a concern. It does not control me. Vanity kept coming up as I was writing this and thinking about these stories. And I was remembering, we were talking, I was being with some friends and somehow we were talking about vanity and this old friend said, you know, I knew you were vain the minute I met you. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, that's embarrassing. (laughs) And... A couple of weeks ago, I was in Hermitage. It's a full week of solitary practice, a little cabin up on the mountain, which is an amazing gift, opportunity, to have that space and time, solitude, to just sit, to just practice in solitude. And so I go up there wanting to use that time knowing the opportunity, not wanting to be distracted, and finding myself distracted, finding myself returning to memories um, from like 30 years ago that I recognize very well. They, They come to me when I'm in Hermitage. And so up there, sitting and sitting and sitting and and seeing this sort of quiet, persistent, these memories that keep kind of coming up and starting to be frustrated with myself. I know them so well. Why do they keep coming up? And just that past week, I had given a talk where I was talking about the past, something else from from Thrangu Rinpoche and him saying that the past is either, when we go to the past, we're either going to regret or to excitement. And either way, it is just agitation, it's agitating the mind. And those teachings kind of came to me and I realized, oh, it is regret. I've never thought of it that way. It is regret. And there is excitement, and it is just agitating my mind. It is just distracting me. The teachings are always pointing to our own mind, always helping to illuminate, understand our own mind. And so I did some liturgy, basically just saying, I know you, I recognize you. Okay, I see there is regret. I see, I have regret, I hadn't seen that. I release you. I release you, I choose something different. I don't need you anymore. And it was gone. And then it crept back in a little bit, but not the same. 
Each time we recognize, each time we release face, it's different. It's different. And there is the discipline of concentration, of choosing what is not familiar, turning towards something different, truly giving ourselves to zazen, to our practice, and learning what that means, learning what that is to turn to. In these sutras with the nuns, dealing with Mara, in many of them, they recognize Mara, and he sort of disappears, right? Disappointed, he leaves. And the sutra is over. But the nuns go back to their practice. They take their seat. They go back to their meditation, choosing, choosing, Clarity, openness, concentration, choosing to explore not knowing, to sit into themselves, to sit into suchness, leaving behind what is known, the familiar, the I have studied and seen you over and over, to explore what is not known, ask the question without words. So why is it that once Mara is recognized, he gives up? What's happening? And what happens when we don't know what we're feeling or don't listen, can't hear what we're saying to ourselves, about ourselves? How is it when Mara gets their way? And what happens when we think it's out there? That the anger or the doubt or whatever it is is coming from out there. I also wanted to look at the Buddha's story, sitting here in Rahatsu. There is a story of the Buddha on the night of his enlightenment that Mara sort of mounts his last stand and comes with all of his armies, armies of temptation, armies of doubt, armies of fear, thunder and lightning, and the Buddha does not move. But I couldn't actually find those stories in the sutras. They must exist. I asked the other te- the teachers. We could, they must exist somewhere. I did find this one passage. This is so. This is speaking to Mara and his armies, his squadrons. So he says, "Your first squadron is sense desires." Your second is called boredom. Then hunger and thirst compose the third. And craving is the fourth in rank. The fifth is sloth and torpor, while cowardice lines up as sixth. Uncertainty is seventh. 
The eighth is malice paired with obstinacy. Gain, honor, and renown besides, and ill-won notoriety, self-praise and denigrating others. These are your squadrons, Mara. But I wondered why the armies, why is it depicted as the armies, as a battle? It sometimes feels like a battle. It can feel like a battle. But the revolution is that the Buddha did not fight. He just maintained his seat, continued to to deepen his concentration, continued to let go, enter. At one point in the night, Mora asks him, what gives you the right? Why do you think you should be able to liberate yourself? And very gently, he just touches the earth. The statues is just two fingers. Just touches the earth. Saying, the earth is my witness. I have the right to be free because I am on the earth and of the earth. Because I'm human. Because it is my nature. And just maintaining his seat on the earth, grounded. You know, I've been sitting back there for the last couple of days with this talk in me and sort of, and looking up at the altar. It's like, look what's on the altar. It's just this person sitting in stillness, in peace, awake, just a person sitting in peace. And Mara didn't leave the Buddha. The sutras that I found of Mara and the Buddha were all after his enlightenment. Where again and again, Mara comes and tries to sow seeds of doubt, challenges the Buddha in all different ways, and his students. One of the stories I found of Mara and the Buddha was a modern telling from Thich Nhat Hanh, where poor Ananda doesn't come off so well again. Ananda, the diligent, devoted attendant, on this day is sort of protecting the Buddha's solitude and telling any visitors, no, I'm sorry, the Buddha is not available today. The Buddha's not seeing visitors today. And Mara comes to visit. And Ananda's a little not sure what to do with this. And he tries to say, no, the Buddha's not seeing visitors today. But Mara won't go away. And so Ananda says, well, Mara, you're his enemy. He doesn't want to see you. And Mara's like, oh, I've got you now. You mean the Buddha has enemies? And he laughs, and Ananda's really not sure what to do now. And so he goes to the Buddha and he says, poor Ananda, he's like, what do you do, you world-honored one, I'm sorry. Mara is here, 
and he won't go away. I tried. And the Buddha says, oh, it's okay, let him in. Let him in. And when Mara comes in, the Buddha gets up and gives Mara a big hug. And Ananda is really confused now. And the Buddha says, please, Mara, have a seat. Let's have some tea together. And they chat. They have a little talk. (laughs) So the Buddha was friends with Mara. It is worth noting that the nuns, the Buddha, in these sutras, these stories, were alone. Shugan Roshi said something about this yesterday, I think. The importance of solitude. Here in Sashin, we're all together, there are a lot of us. And it's created so that we can be alone. So that on your cushion, in your, really throughout, you can be alone. Somehow that's how it works. That's what these stories are pointing to. Really allow yourself to be alone with your experience. Many years ago, Sean and I took a, spent a summer backpacking in Alaska. We were way back in the wilderness. There was wilderness in Alaska like nowhere else, in this country at least. There are no trails. We were out for days and days without seeing sign of anyone else. And one day we came to this river that we needed to cross. We knew where we were going on the map. We had to cross this river. And it was, pretty, it was a pretty swift, cold river. We sort of walked up and down, throwing rocks in it, trying to gauge how deep it was in the middle. We found a place that we thought was the best place to cross. What Sean had taught me the way you cross a river, when there are two of you, is you hold each other's shoulders like this, and the larger person faces, their back is to the, to the stream of the river. So we were like this. My back was to the river, and that way you have sort of four feet, and you just, you sidestep, sidestep, stable. And I remember feeling as we got out into the middle of the river, so we were, we were a little scared. And then we just started off into, into the river. And I could feel as we got to the middle of the river, the force of the river against my back. And there was a moment I just felt Oh, I'm meeting this. We are, we're meeting here. I can meet this. The river wasn't trying to hurt us. wasn't trying to knock us down. And I could just feel the force of the river flowing and flowing and flowing. And I knew I could meet it. I was meeting it. I was with it. I don't need to stop the river, change the river. Just step and step and step. 
I can meet this, I am meeting this. There is no conflict here. Mara is shown as trying to throw us off of our seat, trying to distract us, trying to turn us away. But I think our habits are just running their course. They are like a river. They are just habits with the force of habit behind them. Running, running, flowing. It is just habit, tendency, patterns with a particular way of manifesting, coming to life in us. They're not trying to hurt us. They have no intention. We do not need to fight with them or get rid of them, but just meet them, meet them, recognize them, liberate them. I think it is helpful to think of Mara, as the, of the kleshas, as personified. But there may be something a little misleading also. It is not outside. It is not coming from outside. We should not put it outside and make it something it is not. That these teachings really are just asking the question, what's happening? What is this? What's happening? This talk began with something that Hogan Sensei said in a talk a couple of years ago during COVID, when we were really closed down. There was a time when we were having talks via Zoom. Even for those of us here in the Zendo, we would put a, a screen in the back of the Zendo and we would all turn and watch the screen. And so we were all together. You, many of you were probably watching those talks from home. Sound wasn't very good sometimes. Towards the end of the talk, Hogan says, you can trust that the universe will hold you in a loving embrace. Trust that the universe will hold you in a loving embrace. And I was really struck by that. To hear it coming from Hogan, who I have known for many years, This happens over time. We learn over time, learn to allow ourselves to be held over time, learn to trust over time. I was struck by this trust that the universe will hold you in a loving embrace because I feel like that's what I want. That's what we all want. That's like the basic fundamental yearning, desire. And we know it is possible in this body, in our body, to be held nothing wanted from us, just held. 
I think we think this will come from the outside in a way we want it to come from the outside. It doesn't come from the outside. Trust that the universe will hold you in a loving embrace. I think I've been holding this question as a question of listening, listening in myself, trusting, learning to trust, learning to allow. It happens over time. The universe holds us in a loving embrace, is holding us. We allow ourselves to be held. You are already a person of thusness. Your nature is peace. This is not created, it cannot be taken away. Thank you for listening. To find out more about ZMM's programs, retreats and residency, please visit us online at zmm.org.